Hey guys, welcome back to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa McDonald, and if you're new here, welcome, welcome. If you've listened before, I'm so glad you found your way back here today. My hope is that you find this conversation uplifting and it puts a pep in your step as you go about your day. On this show, we'll shine the spotlight on real people just like you and me. You'll get to listen in on real conversations amongst friends as we explore an array of topics and take the discussion in any direction we choose. Along the way, we'll uncover truths and life lessons that we can all relate to and apply in our own lives. Knowing that we're not alone is incredibly powerful, and hearing how others have pivoted and adapted is inspirational. Join me each week as we discover new possibilities to grow, to be better, to be more productive, and to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Check out my Instagram and follow me at ketchup underscore time, like the condiment and the herb. (laughs) And be sure to hit subscribe to the Ketchup Time podcast where you'll find some brightness and positivity to light up your day. All right, let's get started. On today's show, we're hanging out with Danny Diaz, who's one of my good friends from my Denver Ritz-Carlton days, and the husband of one of my best friends, Annie. As a side note, she'll be on the show in the coming weeks, and you'll just love her too. But about Danny, he is somebody that you'll come to find out will not give up. He's somebody who keeps reinventing himself over and over, and to him, it is his choice to see the bright side and an active decision that he makes on the daily to not be miserable. The way he looks at it, his COVID story started back in July of 2019, when he was unfortunately demoted from his managerial job at the Four Seasons Hotel. He traced it back to that one moment that created this fork in the road, so to speak, and he tells the story of how him and his family adapted by selling their home in Colorado and moving south to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a simpler way of life. The stories he tells are so universal, thoughts that all of us have and things that all of us go through. But to hear him tell these stories, man, it really resonated with me. And even as I listen back to this conversation during the editing phase, I'm still getting something out of it. Stick around till the end of the show when Danny shares some really lovely words of wisdom and how he keeps his head on straight in the day-to-day of real life. You can follow Danny on Instagram at dannydiazpix, and on his website, diazprince.com. Additionally, everything we speak about will, of course, be linked in the show notes below, so be sure to check that out as well. All right then, enjoy this inspirational episode with my friend, Danny Diaz. Hello. What's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Amazing. Yeah, I can hear you. So we'll get started. Uh, Danny, welcome to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm super excited to have you here and finally be like, you know, chatting with you. I, I feel like we've kind of, I've been keeping up with you based on our conversations, my conversations with Annie, who's your wife. Um, and I kind of have heard and our listeners will hear kind of what she's been through and the whole COVID process and like this whole year and how things have gone for you guys. But I think it'll be really fun to hear your point of view um, and and hear what's new in your life. Because you and I used to work together back in the day. That's right. Yeah, I remember, I actually remember the first, the first time I spoke to you ever in your entire life. I still remember that first conversation. Tell that story. I love it. Was when you were interviewing for the job, remember, and you were on the phone with yeah. us? I remember I was sitting in the, in the catering director's office, it was me and Karina, and we were going through applications, and then you were in Florida, I think, mm-hmm. right? You hadn't come to Colorado mm-hmm. yet. And I'll never forget, we had gone through a few applicants already, and then you had popped up, and you had like a really good interview. 
you were like very natural, so we liked you. You know, we never saw you or anything like that, but just on the, over the phone. And then I remember, yeah, at the very end of the interview, you, you asked us for our names, our full names. We both kind of like looked at each other over the speaker and, and I was like, I'm Danny Diaz. <laughs> She's like, I'm Karina Moore. I'm like, okay. Like, and they're like, thank you. And that was the end of that. And then we were like talking and then usually um, after an interview like that, you kind of recap your notes with each other, especially over the phone, you know, like that. And we're sitting there in the office. And then all of a sudden, like her email popped up and it was you <laughs> saying like, hey, thanks for taking the time to, um, to interview me and blah, blah. We both looked at each other and we're like, oh, she, she's pretty thorough <laughs> with like follow up. Oh my God. I guess I, I have my home ec teacher, whoever like back like life skills in high school, that's be sure to send a follow up email. As soon as the interview, interview is over, make sure you send a, a follow up. Yeah. And I, I think it worked because I think that made you stand out at least like it was just one of those you know I think if you have a terrible interview don't send a follow-up email but if your interview is good you could like put the cherry on top of everything I, it's you know? just I guess keep you top of mind that's what it was but that's so funny no it was very smart I, it, it, no one else did it so if you want to put it in perspective like no one else did that but you yeah. I mean, just, I, of course, was on the other end of that phone call. And in my shoes, I was working with Marriott down in, um, at Marco Island at the vacation club down there. I just remember that call. I was so nervous. I had been, I had all my notes spread out in front of me. I kid you not. I li literally was in my, like, whatever, you know, second bedroom we had at the time in our apartment. And I had every single, like, note of mine that I wanted to, like, touch upon. So as soon as you guys, I mean, the way Marriott does it, like, Spoiler alert, like they give you all the questions ahead of time. Okay, so you can yeah. quite literally prepare every single answer, you know, so that the second, and that, that's what exactly I did. The second you guys started reading off a question, I was like, got it. And I picked it up, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I was prepared for that interview and moving across the country was no small feat, but you really made me feel very welcome in that property. You were my first point of contact. Like you were the houseman supervisor at the time. Is that right? Yeah, I was like the interim kind of like banquet manager-esque, yep. you know, Lisa was moving on. Oh, that's I was kind of like just taking her position for a little bit until they found Roger. Um, but I forget, you actually were my first interview too, I think. So I just learned how to do that like that weekend or that week, you know. Oh, man. So if you can imagine, you're nervous on one side. I'm nervous on the other side because I never really interviewed anybody either. Right. I've been interviewed plenty of times. It's so but, true, you know. so true. On both ends, we were we were having different uh, different feelings of anxiety, perhaps a little bit. But it's funny how it all worked out. So you were at that yeah. property for how long? Like two and a half years. And two years. Two, yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. But before that, you were doing like movie producing. I mean, I remember That's right. hearing That's right. all about you know yeah. what, some of the different projects that you had been working on that you were continuing to work on. Yeah. So it's like 2009 when I got a job at the Ritz-Carlton. And the reason why I got that job is because of Andy and she got me the job. And what happens is I'm in film school and I'm finishing film school and I have this film coming out, a short film called The Drama Kids, uh, which you can watch on YouTube. Mm, that's cool. It's on YouTube. Yep. I'll be sure to link it. Yeah, so you can watch it on YouTube. So that film ended up winning a bunch of awards like around the country in the student film categories of film festivals. So, but in most film festivals, what happens at the time, and what happens at the time is it takes a long time for them to like judge and process and select. So it's like a year of, of submissions. So I needed a job now. I hadn't worked in like almost a year. I had lost my, my furniture business in 2008, which was kind of fine because I thought, okay, I'm going to the film industry now. So it's all, it's all good. And then I ended up needing a job and Annie had just gotten a job with the Ritz Carlton and she was like, hey, they're hiring for a houseman. 
which I had never done the job before. <laughs> right? So I didn't even know what that was. But she's like, I think I do the job there. So I was like, okay, I'll take the job. Because I wasn't getting any like film jobs at this point. I had worked for like The Daily Show for a little bit. I worked for Next Top Model for a little bit, for American Idol for a little bit. And they were all coming into town, into Denver, but I was working just like remote. Like I was just doing those like temporary jobs. They were hiring like local staff for those specific episodes. So nothing was like sticking just yet. And my film was about to come out, about to break into the industry. I'll never forget, I got the job and then the film came out and I won some awards, but it didn't really do anything for me, right? I didn't like jump into Hollywood at that point. So now I'm like vacuuming floors <laughs> at the Ritz Carlton. And I'll never forget my first day there, I'm sitting there and the AV director came by me and he had heard about me from Annie before, just that I was like a filmmaker, like, cause it was always like she was dating this filmmaker guy right now, I'm looking at the Ritz Carlton. And, right, and so he came by and he said, hey, I've heard a lot about you. I was like, oh, thank you. And he's like, I knew I would know everything about you if you took this job. Isn't that interesting? I know everything about your personality. I would know if you were like, like a good guy or not, <laughs> you know, like, and I was like, oh, thanks. Cause it did, it felt like, not like, degrading, really like humbling. It was like very what I was trying to do, you know, and now I'm like the on-call like houseman, barely working. And then, um, yeah, from there it starts to like, I start to leapfrog everybody, it just takes a little bit of effort, you know? And then by the time you had gotten there, I was already like the pretend banquet manager for a few months while they were trying to find uh, Lisa's replacement. And yeah, that's where that story kind of goes, but the film stuff was going for a little bit and just never kicked off, you know? So for that, that was my, my last student film. And then from there, I made some other pictures. I did like a World War II documentary. I remember that one. I did a, um, uh, most recently, my last thing I did was a web series that I had won this award. This is when Rosie's about two years old. So this is like 2016, right? Oh, and so you're still doing it, yeah. Yeah, I'm still doing what I can, you know, but oh, have brilliant. I ever found a way to like support us with it? No, right? I can't like support the family with it, but I can do it when, I'm, when I find time to do it. But I had won a contest in Colorado. This is kind of after a few years of not doing anything. And I won this contest where I won like $10,000 to make a web series. So that was like my last my last time and this will kind of tie in really nice as we talk about the, the service industry stuff. I'll never forget I took the, the my last film and I called my good buddy who's an actor his name is Marty Lindsay. He's been in like Sicario and like Better Call Saul, a bunch of TV shows where I might recognize and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I need, you, I need your help to be, be in the film I'm making. And I was like, it might be my, my last film I ever make. So I told him. I like, you I'm not you said it was going to be the last film you'd ever make? Well, it could be, right? Like, I had made a film in a oh, few years. And I was like, it could be. I hadn't had money in a while to do a film. So I was like, I'm not going to spend one second, like, stressed out about making it. I'm just going to enjoy the entire process. Right? And so that film ended up, we ended up winning the contest, which we won the $10,000. And then we finished it, and then we ended up getting in like 10 film festivals, and it even played at the Cleveland Film Festival, which is a pretty big festival here in the country. So that was pretty exciting. So. That's phenomenal. Well, and that's just it. Unfortunately, sometimes the things that are like our biggest passions don't necessarily immediately turn fruitful money-wise. Um, and in order to, you know, pay your bills and do, you know, real life, you gotta get sometimes a boring job and perhaps that job at the Ritz Carlson like you started at, I mean, it's just a stepping stone. I'm sure that there are many different things like because of that job that shoot off, shoot it off, shoot it off, shot off, yeah. that shot off. Yeah, like catapulted everything basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That job, if I don't take that job, you know, the guy says, I'll know everything about you if you take this job, which was a job I did not want. I didn't know what it was or anything I was trying to get. And from that job, 
you fast forward to today and that's the reason I have what I have now is because of that, which was nothing I was even trying to even do, you know? So yeah, it's crazy to think like that. And, you know, and it, like you said, you can't, it is always turn fruitful. Like I won $10,000 to make that film. The film cost $13,000, right? So it ended up costing me $3,000 <laughs> to make it. So everyone's like, oh, man. yeah, everyone's like, oh, you got paid 10 grand? Like, oh yeah, they paid me 10 grand to make that movie. It cost 13 grand. Like, oh man, at least, you know, you, you saved $10,000. You can yeah. put it, look at it that way. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was still fun. It actually gives you some more street credit. You know, you're just kind of, you know, you, you don't meet somebody and say, oh, what have you done? Oh, well, 10 years ago, I did a documentary. You know, now I can be like, oh, I did an interactive web series that was in the Cleveland Film Festival, which there's a lot of good um, pieces of that sentence right there. <laughs> you know, no, it's the true. It's true. It, it just, you know, what you did in the past will always come back to in the future. And, you know, the present day right now, everything for the, I mean, if we had taken that job in Colorado, like our life would have been totally different. I mean, there's so many different moments where it really does like you're, you know, you're at a fork in the road and you have to choose like one or another. And, you know, you may not understand it at the time, but, you know, for eventually like for it to come to fruition to, you know, be thankful for what you have now based on what you've done in your past, like it's, it's a lovely thing. I mean, so tell me, you guys are in Tulsa now, you were saying? Yeah, we're in Tulsa right now. So we came here in March. Well, we, we started thinking about Tulsa last year. Right. So this is kind of right. So the COVID-19 stuff hasn't happened yet, which is why we adapted extremely well to what's going on right now. So the, the our COVID story kind of starts back in July 2019, right? When the COVID-19 shutdown yet, right? Like I'm at the Four Seasons, I'm having a terrible kind of um, daily experience, you know, like um, I'm making pretty good money for the hotel industry, you know, like in the top tier anyways, from being a banquet captain at a five diamond, you know, luxury resort. And and uh, it's just like, so I'm doing very well, right? But but the, the circumstances aren't, aren't ideal, right? Like I, I, I'm changing out managers constantly. I'm not getting kind of the positions that I thought I deserved. And even if I, if I got those positions, they were always like less money. So they weren't even, didn't even make sense to take those positions, you know? So in June or July, 2019, I have to leave the Four Seasons and resign because I'm about to be demoted, right? And I'll never forget, I was like terrified because like, you, you know, what do you do when you get a demotion, right? Like who even gets demotions? <laughs> do you know anyone that's ever had a demotion before? <laughs> well, that sticks around to tell the tale, not so much. Yeah, I never, I didn't, hear, I didn't know it was even a thing, honestly. I've never seen it before. I've seen people Unless the job was eliminated, like I can't imagine, like I'm just demoting you, like yeah, I would just exactly. be like rather fired at that point. Yeah, it's like because now your superiors or your colleagues, or you know, yeah. who you were your colleagues are now your superiors, yeah. and it's just hard. So, well, it was just a really weird situation, right? It's an unusual dynamic. Yeah, I think it, you know, it's almost designed to get you to leave. It's kind of how it is, right? So, so, so we basically start to plan this out, right? And I mean, I watched all these videos on YouTube at first, which was like, when you're about to get demoted, what do you do? And, and everyone starts with the same like kind of the same speech right and it's actually interesting because when you're watching them you're like life is crushing all around you right <laughs> and it's falling apart and you're watching so these what, videos, was, what was the advice it's like well this is the best thing that ever happened to you <laughs> like everyone says it every one of them so i started watching i'd be going to the gym and i'd be on the treadmill like all right watch another video about how to handle the emotion right <laughs> And it's like, oh, this is the best thing that'll ever happen to you, best thing that'll ever happen to you, blah, blah. And the funny thing is, the day before I was offered the demotion, which I never accepted it, but the day before I was offered it, we had just talked to our realtor about moving to the mountains. 
So Andy was like dying to move to the mountains. We had found a house in Evergreen that we had thought about and we could sell our house in Parker. We're like, all right, well, it's time for a change. You want to move to the mountains, like, you can move to the mountains. It's fine. Like, I'll figure it out. And then like the next day, I'm about to lose my job, right? So I call my realtor and I tell him to start getting get all the stuff together to possibly buy a house in the mountains. And then the next day I had to call him like, oh, cancel all that. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Man, life is life is funny, man. And like at the time, it's not so funny. But like thinking back to that sequence of events, and so what did you guys do? You after the after you got this demotion, it didn't last for long, is my opinion. Yeah, no, it lasted for one shift, and that was basically to say goodbye to everybody. I kind of went back for one demoted shift, and that was to say goodbye to all my friends because I wasn't staying. But it was like I really was trying to preserve our health insurance for one more month. <laughs> so it was like yeah. August third right and i'm thinking okay well someone told me if you work one day in the month they'll carry the insurance till the end of the month and so i thought that was like my little scam it didn't work but that was what i thought right it did not work we started making plans now right so i talked to the, uh, our mortgage broker this is the guy i had to call and tell him to cancel the mountain plans right and then he i saw what happened and he, he was a very nice guy you know and he knows him a lot better than i do but he he basically gave me some good advice he said listen he's like what's your number one you, what's your biggest financial responsibility right now? And I was like, it's our house. He's like, sell your house. Just like that, boom, like emotionless, everything. He had no attachment to it. I'm the one that's yeah. thinking, this is where Rosie spent the first four years of her life. Um, it was such a symbol of success in my mind, you know, right? This really nice house in Colorado and this is where she's gonna grow up in this great, like whatever storybook kind of childhood. And he's like, oh yeah, just sell your house, she'll be fine. And I was like, it's crazy, I'm telling Andy. It's hard to like stomach that. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I lost a lot of weight that first couple of weeks, and I had a lot of good friends calling me and checking on me to see how I was doing. All the people that worked there, and it wasn't in public knowledge yet because I told a few people, but no one really knew what was going on. It's just like all of a sudden, you know, when people disappear from work for a couple of weeks, something's going on. Like, where'd that guy go? Yeah, and it was about like two and a half weeks that I was just absent all of a sudden. So it's like obviously something's going on. I never forget. And then my one of the my old bank managers texted me she's like yeah i tried to email you something and your email just kicked back to me what's going on <laughs> you know so it was like processing at that time man that's crazy that it was so like hush hush it really is all of that it is you know and someone like me in that position i was in that position for like six years so you're talking about like a high level supervisor position very well integrated with all upper management and like very hands-on with everything all the decisions constantly covering just like with, when lisa left the rips i was covering those transitions constantly making sure nothing fell out of place and kept on going smooth, you know, with everything smooth. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just not in the right setup. You don't have the right people behind you. I had a brand new banquet manager. I had a, pretty much a brand new FMB director at the time who just didn't get along with me. And it was kind of those two, their decision together to kind of move me out of that position, um, which I felt was very unwarranted, but I'm not innocent to the whole thing. I was part of the problem too. There was, everyone's part of the problem collectively. So I'm not like the, the, the martyr or anything like that, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to think though, like, you know, it, it wasn't all you. I'm sure there was a lot, a lot of external factors, unfortunately, and perhaps just getting rid of one person or demoting a person in, it kind of was far from Yeah, no, it, it was probably the easiest decision. It was probably the easiest thing to do. Like you, get, you take me out of the equation and then the other like three or four servers that don't like me now, it's just, they, they might all shape up, right? It might just be fine then which it never went that way. I, got, I heard many stories after I was gone, <laughs> like nothing changed, but but at the time I was like the the, the piece that they thought would be easiest to, to move around, you know? Right. So right. But what that did but what that did was that got us ready for the COVID-19 stuff. So now it's July, 2019, right? 
So August is when we had finally left the company, right? I finally moved on in August. We had kind of looked around in Tulsa for a house to see if we want to move to Tulsa, right? Because it was a better cost of living, fresh start. We were going to do very well on the house in Colorado. It had appreciated a bunch in those couple of years we had it. So it was like, maybe it's time for a fresh start. So we were looking for a house in Colorado at the time. I mean, sorry, in Tulsa at the time. And then I had applied for a few jobs, two jobs here in Tulsa and one job in Colorado. And I had got the job in Colorado. So we ended up staying now. We still had to sell the house, right? Because I couldn't afford the house anymore. So now we sell the house in about November or so. And we move into a town home that we rented, right? Which now it's like you're renting a town home when you sell, when you own a house. Like it's like all these steps backwards, right? <laughs> you know, just like filmmaking, you're like, you're doing, you're making award-winning films and you're now you're vacuuming floors, right? It's like all these like <laughs> steps back to get ahead, right? So now we're renting a town home. Uh, we're still in the same area for Rosie's school. And, but we're starting to figure things out. Now we have money to buy a house. We just don't know where we're gonna buy a house yet. Colorado's a little out of our price range. Tulsa seems better, but there's no jobs in Tulsa for me. Right, I have a job in Colorado. So now it's in November, going into December. And then um, luckily the job that I had found was a salary so I could qualify to buy a house again immediately, right? So, you know, if you have a salary, you can buy a house. Or if you have a hourly wage, usually it takes a year to qualify, right? Yeah, to like show pay stubs. Exactly, yeah. So with the salary, that was like the one silver lining in this new job that I had, right? Because <laughs> it would let me buy something else immediately. So Annie finds a house. I basically tell her, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to get out of the hotel industry. I'm going to try and join the fire department because I had done that when I was 18 years old for a little bit. And I was like, it's time for a change. I'll be 40 in in February coming up and it's time for a massive life change, right? And I almost wanted this like great moment to be if Rosie one day had like an issue and I'll be like, hey, at 40, I changed careers completely. So anything's possible kind of like moment, you know, is what Absolutely. I wanted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I started calling some of my old firefighter connections, seeing if it's even possible. And the whole thing seemed like a doable situation. So now she's looking for a house. She finds a house in Tulsa. It's like January. We buy the house January um, 28th. So I'm not timeline this, right? March 20th when we're all like, everyone loses their jobs, right? So now it's yeah. like January 28th and we you're, buy a you're, you're queued up like two months ahead of schedule. Exactly, right? So remember what that person said, the best thing that ever happened to you? At the time you're like, I'm like losing weights. I'm like really, the first couple of days was, I couldn't even sleep. I was like, what am I gonna do? Mm. What, what are the new plans here? I'm not gonna replace this job in the four seasons. There's no other jobs like that in Colorado, really, besides the Ritz-Carlton, which my friend Lacho at the time had that job now, right? Right, yeah, so, it's a very small industry, no doubt. Yeah, it's only two places to do it, maybe a third, right? And that's it. So it's like almost impossible to find another one. And so now it's like we're queued up and all because of that, that demotion thing, which at the time was like horrifying, but it, it ended up, setting us up and imagine trying to sell the house in march if we didn't you know who knows what that means like we couldn't buy a house not for march to whatever so it has to happen when it happened right so then we're sitting there and now she buys the house it's the end of january i fly out to tulsa i move them out and i say well, why don't you guys stay in tulsa get the house ready and i'm gonna stay in colorado with my job right now and then we'll, i'll try to join the fire department we'll see how it goes okay so now it's like valentine's day and we're all apart right so they're here i'm there it goes on for weeks right endless weeks right you can imagine no shutdown like that has ever happened in march ever right so you don't think it's coming right it seems like an endless like an endless road of things of obstacles yeah at that point in time you didn't see an end in sight you just like saw it happening you didn't realize yeah, yeah basically and we're like all right well i'll work this job till i find a job in tulsa which could be six months a year who knows what happened right our lease is going for like nine more months so we're good for a little bit in colorado like i was moving with annie's parents probably if i needed to if it came to that 
right? So we're sitting there and then March comes and I actually, I, I, video wise, I'm doing legacy videos now for people. I do their personal stories, right? So I had done an interview with the gentleman on March 2nd, right? So now if you get, we're getting close to this March 20th, like shutdown, right? It's March 2nd. And I was like, hey, I got some time. And at this time I was working at another hotel at the Marriott in Park Meadows. I was the events operations leader. So now I'm like a department leader. I'm making a salary. I have a higher position. I have all that four seasons of my experience resume. All the Red Scarlet stuff on my resume. Now I have a position finally that gives me like a leadership position. So that's like the last piece of the puzzle, right? But I was working out of control hours, insane. It was nonstop. It was just overwhelming. Seven days a week, pretty much, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the Marriott's, they have those like the, the, the text app where they can like text requests to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, you don't answer the, if you don't answer them in like 30 seconds, it starts to escalate and sends alerts to all the bosses. In 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so I was sitting there, I worked till like two in the morning, and then like 5 a.m. I would <laughs> be beeping off and the, whoever was at work for me, whoever, like my supervisors were there, they don't answer in 30 seconds. Now my phone is beeping off, oh like 5 in the morning, so I'm getting no sleep, it's like very unhealthy. And then, but it's like March 2nd, I have a day off, so I finally get this guy interviewed, who I was waiting to interview for like, since the beginning of the year. It's like January, no, February, no, and now March, we finally get set him down, right? It's March 2nd, I believe that, right? And this guy had cancer at 64 years old, two years previous to that interview, and then he climbed Mount Everest the, ne the, the, the year after, right? And so I get him all on tape. This is my buddy's uh, dad, so my good friend's dad, right? So this is one of my legacy videos I've been working on. For this I want to hear more about this, yes. It's like really exciting. This guy's story is an amazing story. But now it's March 2nd, right? And then all of a sudden, the stuff happens, the, the, the coronavirus stuff starts to happen. And that layoff was actually was the best thing possible because it got me out of work, freed me up, and we were able to come to Tulsa and be with my family, you know, because we were separating for indefinitely, you know? Yes. And that was kind of like the gist of how that will go. But if you take the first event, which is the demotion, which has nothing to do with the coronavirus, mm -hmm. and then you push, put it all together, that's almost like a full year of events that leads to that moment. And that's why we transitioned so easily, because it was like, all right, well, we were already just kind of moving anyways. And and now we're in Tulsa and it prepares you to pivot. And that's what the coronavirus stuff has taught me this year in the industry, especially is oh, yeah. you have to pivot when it happens. You have to change with it if you try to fight it. Yeah, it won't, it won't last, you know. Oh, man. That's incredible. I love that story. And I love how, like, you guys have traced it back to that moment. I mean, really, truly, you're right. That's when it all started. If you can really think about when all kind of started going haywire. And at yeah. the time, it was, like, horrific. And, you know, you were, like, not okay with it. And it seems like the world was ending. But you picked yourself up and you guys made a plan and you, like, talked things out. And you have, you know now fast forward through all this you know till till the you know beginning of the pandemic whatever march was you guys were able to land on your feet pretty quickly i mean yeah. it's not all easy and it's not all like rainbows and butterflies but you know you were able to at least you had that you know path and you kind of paved it for yourself you really did it's incredible yeah it wasn't that easy i mean there i mean it's it played out very nicely it could have gone in several directions like Certainly. i think the idea that you that you don't wait to make a decision, right? You have to just like make a decision, the best decision you can make for yourself, right? And just do what you think is right for that time. And, you know, did I want to sell? I didn't want to sell the house. That was like my symbol of success, right? That was my, and they, they broke my art to sell the house, right? But we had to do it, right? And then 
Um, moving out here in Tulsa, we had no job leads or anything. It was just like, we'll see what happens. I was still training to be a firefighter at the time, so I'm doing all this firefighter training the entire summer, right? So it's March, it's March 12th, and I do my firefighter practice test, which is the big test before the real test, right? Which is a week later, right? So we had failed the first one. Me and my buddy were doing it together. He wanted to do the same thing. So we failed the test, this physical test, which is like a horrifying, like you get really trained for this thing. It was yeah, like, I can only imagine a physical test to become a firefighter sounds yeah. incredibly oh, difficult. Being at my age, I kept thinking I'm going to get hurt. I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get hurt. So I got to like stretch. I was, every day I was like stretching and like really trying to warm up and try to be really responsible with my body. And the first part of the test is this like three and a half minute stair climb with 75 pounds on your back. And that thing, the first time you do it, it like wipes you out. We had to train for the second practice test, right? So yes. we both passed the practice test, right? And we're both excited. We're both 40. We both passed the practice test with time to spare. And it's March 12th. And we're thinking nothing can go wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now it's like, oh, our test is coming up. It's March 19th is our test, right? <laughs> and so it's like, okay, so we got a week to go. We actually went out and had beers that night. And I remember I was sneezing because after all like the physical exertion, I would just end up sneezing a lot those nights. I'm at a bar with my accountant, my like 65 year old accountant. <laughs> he was just out hanging out. <laughs> and we're sitting there. Quickly yeah. life changed. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I was like, hey, Kurt, what are you doing tonight? I had some drinks with my friends with Ellen Elm. I was like, I'm just looking, you know, Annie and, and Rosie are in Tulsa. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll go out and park her somewhere. <laughs> he's like a, on the, uh, he, he's on the Chamber of Commerce in Parker. So he knows everybody in the town. <laughs> so I called my accountant. And he's like, oh, come on out. We'll talk some film stuff. Me and you will just go pal around. So we ended up going to Parker Main Street and there's like this little corner. It's like a rehearsal space that has like a bar in it kind of that they open up sometimes to locals. Okay. So I meet him over there <laughs> and we're sitting down. I walk in and there's like a burlesque show rehearsing in the corner. I was like, you know this here? And he's like, no, I thought we'd have a quiet place to sit down and talk. And there's like some people and they were having like some gambling over in the corner over there. And we're like, all right, so I'm sitting down. With my accountant we're just talking film because we because he had done my film taxes for a couple of years so he'd always had these film ideas he wanted to talk about you know and then i'm sneezing a lot that night and he's like do you have the coronavirus and he's like a big joke you know it's like mm -hmm. of course it's March 12th, well because right? that's the thing it wasn't like here yet by that point yeah, yeah it wasn't even that big yet at that point point. Mm -hmm. and then we're thinking okay and then now monday comes and i call my buddy and i was like hey we should really call that firefighter testing place see we can go like tomorrow because I don't know if we're gonna make it to Friday. Like, this seems weird. Like, everything's like shutting down oddly. I'm going to work every day, and every day I go to work, we're just sitting there, and no one knows what to do. And we're just like wiping down door handles, and basically, no masks or anything at the time. We're just like there, just wiping stuff down. And, Where were you working at this point? This is at the Marriott in Park Meadows. So this is okay. where I'm the event this operation is... there. Oh, right, right, right. So You're still I'm basically going into work right now. Yeah, it's called, yeah. So I'm going into work every day, and all I'm doing is emailing my entire team, and I'm like, I've heard nothing today, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm cutting all shifts. Everyone, everyone's canceling, right? All the events are canceling every day. Yeah, it's like, yeah. and the cater, the poor catering team is like, <laughs> you can see they're so stressed. Like everything is canceling across the board, right? Yeah. And the um, the mayor is putting out, you know, like limits on, you know, on group gatherings. Like, there's like 150, then down to like 100, then down to 50. It was like, and it was just very odd, right? And I'm like calling my friend, and I was like, hey, we should go get this test done as fast as we can, <laughs> like this firefighter test, because I don't know if we're gonna. And then they ended up postponing the test. They just postponed the whole thing. Yeah. So now we have to like maintain this like physical 
<laughs> level for an oh indefinitely. Indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, oh, we're gonna and we'll see how this goes in the summertime. Like the actual hiring isn't until like July, right? Or isn't it so it's March, so it's like not until July. So we had like a few months. So now it's like I'm moving to Tulsa now I'm spending like every day like training as hard as I can, right? To, for this test, right? And then we're sitting there, I have no jobs yet at all, but I have like some prospects for ideas anyways. And then it's like June something, and then they end up canceling the testing facilities all throughout Colorado. So I couldn't even go back for this test anymore, right? So now it's like, now they're like, hey, you're, I made it through the first round, right? Which you get to get through the first round first. I made it through the first round, which was awesome just for that alone, right? Mm -hmm. And now I needed this test to get to the second round, right? At least to get considered for it. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you got to find a place to do it on your own in the next like couple of days or else well, you'll be disqualified. And so I'm telling Annie, I was like, okay, I found a place in Indiana. <laughs> So, so now I'm driving Tulsa up to Indiana in a rental car so I won't get sick, right? Because the entire time I'm not trying to get the coronavirus just for the fact that I don't want to miss the testing dates if they open up. Right. You need to be available. I can't like skip it that one time. You were dedicated, man. I tell you what. Basically. So we drove, I drove up there by myself. I took the, I, I took the rental car up there. It took like a day to drive through and everything like that. And the funniest thing was I got a hotel and this is in a place called Maryville, Indiana. Now, Maryville, Indiana is where the Marriott sent me for corporate training. So I'm actually at the hotel that overlooked the corporate office of the job that just laid me off. It was like across the parking lot. Like that's how- It's funny how like the universe works, man. That's right. Crazy. So I'm like it's looking at, this, at you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like my past job staring at me and the idea is to get out of the hotel industry and join the fire service for something a little bit more meaningful, something more, something I'm giving more back as opposed to just running around, running in hotels all day long, right? Yeah. I'll never forget, something was going on that night. I'm like trying to get some sleep for this test in the morning, right? And I'm like sweat, I'm just stressing over for months, this physical test, right? And I never forget, their alarm kept going off all night. Something across the street goes so all night long. I could hear this like, this building up. Your eyes. <laughs> no, all night long. Whoever's up yeah. there is not letting you like forget. Yeah. Every hour, the thing would go off. I see cops roll over there trying to turn the alarm off. <laughs> and every hour is happening. And I remember thinking like, wow, like in the size of the whole country, what are the odds that the test that I found is like right next door to the corporate office where I just was like back earlier, I think it was, um, in November, I was there doing some, some leadership, like corporate manager training. And they flew me out to like Chicago, and then you go drive to Maryville, Indiana, and then you're like, in Maryville, and there's the test right there. It's so uh, weird. Literally, of all places, that's insane. That's it was like, I could see out my window of the hotel room. <laughs> like, it was just like the weirdest thing. That's I didn't even realize it until like later on that day. It wasn't, it didn't dawn on me until I was like, over this road what do i remember this road for and i'm like here's the building is right across the street from the hotel. unbelievable yeah the yeah. universe is funny the way it does that it really is like you know and for you to keep moving forward you ended up taking the test i imagine were you able to yeah so i took the test and i passed it right you were able to I'm pass thinking, it again. i'm not going to drive home 10 hours miserable that i failed this test right because that was my only option at the time was the only job prospect i had i know other jobs and the only jobs now were go back to a hotel, right? Possibly go back to something in the service industry, which I was kind of thinking I didn't want to do anymore. There was really no options anyways, because everything was shut down. So it's time to look for something else, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, this is the this is the plan, this is the future to pass this test in order to survive, right? So I passed the test and we're all good. I trained really hard for this test. It was a tough one. I can't so, imagine. Was it a uh, written uh, test or this was? No, no, this is like a physical. This is the physical test. Let yeah. me ask one qual or clarifying question. So you're taking this test in Indiana. 
but you can then use that license or whatever. Yeah, you need the certification that you passed as okay. part of the qualifier for the warning code. So I was applying for a place in Colorado. So I was still thinking like, I have my one connection in Colorado from my previous time when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And now he's a fire battalion chief, right? Mm -hmm. And so now this is a friend of mine. So I hadn't talked to him like in 20 years. And I was like, still in the fire department? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so there's my one reference, my one connection, my one chance of something at a brand new career. Right, so I passed the test, I drive home. Andy's parents are actually here at the time. They're visiting us, which was awesome. I come home to all this like applause and they're all excited and all that kind of stuff. I hop in the shower and then I get out, I got an email, I didn't make it to the next round. <laughs> so they didn't pass me on to the next round. Oh my God. So after all this like, cause, I, cause it was like, I got, I got the thing done like right in the deadline before they had to like make their next selections for the next round, right? <laughs> so it's like, I didn't get to the next round. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, the whole time I'm thinking it's like, Destiny, it's gonna happen, and it didn't So I'm thinking, what what am I gonna do now? Yeah. So what did you do now? So now it's unemployment still, and you know we were here for the summer, and now it's like June, or it's like early June now, and unemployment's ending in like end of July or whatever. So I was trying to get more worried, thinking if I look for jobs in July like everybody else, I'm gonna miss out on some opportunities. So I started applying for jobs like a month early, and I'm applying for some jobs that I did not want to apply for, like terrible jobs. Jobs that I would read the, the employee like comments on Indeed and it, they sounded horrific. But there were jobs that I could qualify for that I would probably get, I could get like banker manager jobs or- You were still I, looking in hospitality. Yeah, because I didn't know what else to do, right? What I'm surprised that people were still hiring in that. Yeah, industry. some were. Like you you would see you know, like 700 applications for like something that was like overwhelming, right? Some jobs that I didn't even want to apply for, but I told Andy I would apply for them just, just to be a man and get the job and just support the family. I just, I applied for them like regrettably and they, they didn't even call me back. <laughs> they didn't give me an interview. <laughs> so I was thinking, wow, you know. It's hard. So many people I know are out of work right now and, and have been, you know, really struggling to find anything. It's just, it's oversaturated. It's insane. Yeah. And you really oh, do have to be creative, you know, with, with what you're trying to do. Well, the other scary thing is too is the jobs that were there are not there anymore like the way they were like that those banquet captain jobs that i had for all those years that job's not there anymore not the way it was well that's just it so many people have you know especially from this industry and a lot of other industries have been affected but the hotel and hospitality tourism those mm -hmm. jobs are eliminated like yeah they're yeah. not going to be the same at all when you come back to them oh yeah and, or you shut down Okay. Oh, I was going to say, like, you know, for, if not now, probably not for another few years until, you know, the industry bounces back. But, you know, yeah. there's no telling. I mean, definitely not at the volume that they were at, right? Like, we were doing events, like, whatever, 30 events a year. You're working enough to support your family at the, at the height of my four seasons. You know, years I was making like well, way more money than some of the managers. You know, some some of the directors up there. You know, it was really high up there. But I'm saying those jobs are gone now, right? Like, because those events aren't there. They've recalibrated how they're going to distribute the money. Like when I was laid off, it made it made sense to lay me off because you could hire someone back to replace me for a cheaper price now, right? Like, so it's the question is, do you want to go back to that, right? And I heard some stories about uh, my boss. Now he was a GM. In a hotel and they actually let him go and kept the AGM for and to, to take his place and they actually gave him all his responsibilities that he had plus they gave him a pay cut so now it's like you take a 20 percent pay cut with more responsibilities like less resources insane. Insane. yeah 
it's really like i mean it makes sense on a like you know on a spreadsheet like for accounting to just slash you know all these positions but as that person that's now doing the job of probably at least five or six people and then have no support and to be doing it for less money and then you're supposed to be grateful for it yeah you're the lucky one you're the one that can keep your job you're the one that you, what how does that make sense yeah it's horrible i think it's terrible i, I don't understand it i didn't understand the hotel compensation structure before COVID-19. Like I was involved many times with, I got in lots of fights with my old GM and not with him personally, but with like over money. And I, it, it became a huge labor issue all the time. And I was constantly fighting with him. And I mean, I would say, Hey, these people are working really hard. And I never forget, I got the, the time I really like yelled at him one night and you know, you don't yell at your boss like that, but I was really frustrated at that point. It's like Christmas time. It's December and where I was working, they don't do a tip pool. They do hourly, straight hourly for the employees. Oh, so I was making a salary, so I was fine. But these guys were working for like, you know, $13, $14 an hour, you know, they're not making a lot of money throughout the year. Not like when you're at a tip pool and you're making all this extra money, you know, right? And so usually in Christmas time, you work, you know, crazy hours through December and then you're off and you made enough money to survive through January. Well, that wasn't the case here because they were working like normal hours and then they were off for X number of weeks without that boost. And so I kept, um, I was like, so we got in a huge fight and I said, hey, this, I'm not, I was like, I was like I'm, the, I'm letting these people down. You know, I need something else. I need to give them something. He's like, what do you want me to do? And I was like, give me authorization to pay them a tip pool just for this week. I was like, all the service charges you guys were pocketing, I was like, give them to me and I'll, get, I'll distribute them at my discretion. It was like, uh, like $20,000, right? <laughs> He's like, I can't give you $20,000. I was gonna say, did he give you <laughs> No, he wouldn't do it. And I was like, well, that's what I need. I was like, that's what I need. I was like, I don't care anymore. I was like, this is unreal. It wasn't him personally. It was more like the overall company, you know? Because they were still charging service charges. They just weren't giving it to the staff, you know? And so that's where I was so upset about because I knew how it worked. And, you know, something like half a million dollars of service charges of the year that just went to the hotel and I'm thinking, well, that's just it. I mean, so many contracts are like really sketchy in that way. And I wonder if meeting planners and large corporations who have their events at a hotel or, you know, at a, at a you know, big convention center, do they read the fine print and do they know? Because you just assume that the yeah, staff is being taken care of. Yeah. yeah. You just assume, but, but is it? Yeah, not always. I mean, at the Four Seasons, the Ritz Carlton, they did a good job of dividing it up. And that, that's the benefit of working there. You know, some of those other places, I'd never seen that. I I I've only been at those two places my entire career, and now I'm at a new a new hotel structure. And I'm thinking, so how does it work? How does it work? I'm like, that's all you pay them? Are you yeah, paying? yeah. We we had a when I transferred from the Marriott to Patina, that was how our tip structure, and that was something that like as a manager, I I was a catering manager at the time and but i worked in operations my whole career and so i was like very familiar with how a tip pool worked and yeah. the service charges and that sort of thing but this new restaurant group that i started working for was paying their staff an hourly rate just like yeah. you and yeah. it was capped at like five hours so in their minds they're making like I think it was like $25 or $20 an hour, $25 an hour, which sounds great, but you can only work five hours at a time. Yeah. But if you really thought about it, if you looked at the subtotal and the service charges we were charging, they should have been making upwards of $35 an hour or yeah. whatever it ended up being. But, and then to not have a cap, I mean, it didn't make any sense. And I got in, I, I had to at one point or another, just like stop arguing and not talking to anybody about it because it was yeah. like, this isn't right, but I don't, 
it's way beyond my pay grade. I don't have yeah. like control, unfortunately, it's company wide, but that sounds like what they were maybe doing. Like maybe that's just, I don't know. I don't know if yeah, it's like the, the way company thing is like a whole thing for the area. Like yeah. every hotel in that like Southern, South Denver area kind of did it collectively together. It was like the norm. Mm -hmm. Only downtown did they kind of do more tip pools and stuff. And it became an issue every week I'd be fighting over labor. They like, all oh, cut labor. I'm like, how can I cut? Labor? I'm like, what? Do you, like, there's no one to cut. Like, who do we cut? Like, they're like, what do you mean? Like, well, we gotta figure it out. And I would be like, it's not a question of like cutting someone. I was like, no one exists. Like, I had to bring in two temporary workers today that have never been here before. I was like, they have to come in early just to know what the building is. You know, <laughs> like, like that's why we're over in labor today because I had to bring in a person that's a complete stranger <laughs> to this property. They have to learn where everything is. Like, they can't come in like. At the, at the zero minute and then leave the zero minute to yeah, make of course. your numbers work you know like, it doesn't work like that real life doesn't work like that but they yeah. don't they just look at it like numbers unfortunately it's it's a real it's a real shame that you know it seems like that's how the industry was going and perhaps still is going and it, it just i don't know i do feel for all my friends that are back in hotel hotels and you know back to work or you know either we're like furloughed and back you know we're asked to come back how do I want to say this? Like, you should be grateful that you have a job. That in their mind is like the top thing. Like, but at the same time, I'm being asked to strip beds for housekeeping. I'm being asked to, you know, yeah. vacuum you know, or whatever it is, like things that aren't necessarily part of your job description. And I'm getting paid less, but I should be grateful. And I mean, I am grateful in some regards, like I have health insurance and this and that, and to have like the, an income. Um, but you know, not everybody's been so lucky. So many people have been laid off and, you know, really have had to pivot and, and change their entire trajectory, uh, in a matter of a minute, you know, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing. We were on a new path and trying for the firefighter thing. And then that out of nowhere, just didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, well now it's time to find something else right now it's time to like find a more reasonable scenario because i'm like i'll join the fire department next <laughs> next year my thought now right and i actually applied for the tulsa fire department so i took the test for them and i passed that test so then now i was doing basically the same thing i was working towards the tulsa fire department to do the physical test for them which i was pretty confident i could pass that one um so now i set up my test for like august um like eight or something like that right so now so now it's like imagine this right so now it's like end of june I'm looking for jobs. I'm applying for terrible jobs, right? <laughs> I'm applying for horrible jobs. And then I found a job, it was called hospitality manager. I remember I was reading about it, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like what I was doing. So I applied for that job, right? I didn't know where it was at, I just put it in and I get a call from a company called Unidine, which is who called me, right? They were with Compass Group. And I learned about Compass Group from Chris Johnson. Remember Chris Johnson? Mm -hmm. He worked a little bit. So I had always known about them, but I, I kind of found this job. So I get a call from them, they interviewed me for like 10 minutes, they screened me and I was like, all right, that's cool, whatever. And then they like, okay, like we're gonna have the the, man, the, the GM call you and talk to you. I was like, okay, so yeah, I get a call like 20 minutes later right, from the GM. And he's like, hey, can I call you tomorrow and we'll we'll interview you? I was like, sure, that's fine. So he calls me and just like you, I got all ready with all my stuff, right? To answer the questions, right? And I, and I learned that early on, because if you have, you need to know what things you've done, right? Even though you would think you're my member, you'd be like brain freeze. Have it so right now, to, absolutely. Yeah. So I used to keep a file on my email called wow or something like that. And all the times I get email someone like a thank you from somebody or someone say something about me, I would just throw it in there so one day I could read it again and go through all those stories. Remember, right? And so 
but I don't have that email anymore. So now I'm like writing down things I remember, right, from, from my past. And so I'm waiting for that question, like, tell me something, so tell me about a time that you did this, or yeah, I'm waiting for that question to come in the interview. And so I'm waiting, the guy gets on the phone, this is my boss now, and he says to me, he goes, hey, so tell me about where you'd like to go out to eat. And that was the first question he asked me, and <laughs> it completely, like, oh, yeah. totally. We hadn't been out eating either. Remember, it's, we've been in lockdown for like the whole summer. It's been months, right? So it wasn't even like a... Yeah, seriously. And I was like, oh, where are we going to eat? I'm thinking... <laughs> the one question I didn't think to answer. <laughs> well, and in now I was interview, like, I would never think that that'd be a question. Of course. Yeah, and I was like, all right. So then it completely threw me off. And I was like, all right. Uh... <laughs> so then I, I told him we had to go eat hibachi, Japanese steakhouse stuff when we, when we celebrate. So that's what I, like, I got through that question. And he starts going through the interview now. Oh. We're talking and basically it turned into this like story about how I no longer want to do hotels anymore and it sounded like something that wasn't a hotel and so I was looking for something different and we got this nice, we had this nice like 15 minute talk and then that was about it. Then a week goes by and I haven't heard from, from the company, right? So I'm telling Annie, I'm thinking, all right, I didn't get the job because it's been a week and I probably didn't get it. And then I know where he calls me and he's like, hey, uh, I'm offering you the job if you want it. Da, 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 da. And I was like, hey, great, great, oh awesome. Gosh. And Tulsa being like a lower cost of living, we had kind of run some numbers and we've seen like what we could live off of, you know, what we would need to get to survive. And then this job was basically my exact same salary from Colorado, which that was a big, huge. Yeah, it was exciting, which that was a big draw of why to join the Colorado Fire Department as opposed to the Tulsa Fire Department. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll make pretty close to what I was making in Colorado. It'll be okay for now. I just do a lot, a lot more traveling. You know, they do like the three day shift off thing. So I'd be able to come home for those breaks if I could, and then that way I could survive like that for a little bit. So hold on a second, clarifying question. Are you saying that you in Tulsa, living in Tulsa, could work for the Colorado Fire Department and you would just fly back and forth? Yeah, that, that was the plan. That, that was my thought anyway, is that I could like do the shifts because there was like a day on, a day off, a day on, a day off, which I could stay at her parents' house. Oh and then there's like a big three or four day break you get each week. That's how you do like 24 hour shifts. And right. so just, I would fly home. The, the flights were only like $100 or something like that for the round trip flight. So I'd be like, oh, I'll fly back, you know. Before it's just that the money is better out in Colorado. Yeah, exactly, right? So, so versus the cost yeah, of Yeah, it's like $20,000 more a year or something like that, right? So that was the thought process anyways. Now it seems like crazy, but at the time it was like, okay, this could, this could work. We could, like, we could do this for a little bit. Well, and that's just what's so crazy with this year is like travel and, you know, being so, you know, mobile in that regard, it's just not feasible. Not right now anyway. Yeah. Well, and that was before all the shutdowns. Like I started this this journey in like January, right? It must have been like after the year was over, I'm thinking, okay, in January, like, okay, I'll join the fire department, that might be my next move, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got this job in, in here in Tulsa. It's uh, as with, with a place called Monroe, which is like a very high-end, like luxury retirement community. So one of the draws of the fire department was that you could be helping people more, doing things that like really matter more, I guess, in my mind. You're gonna make a bigger difference, feel more like self, you know, fulfillment, more gratitude for what you're doing. I kind of found that at this new job, like, you know, not directly, but I kind of found it by accident, right? And what I do there now is I'm, I'm basically the catering manager for a place that doesn't hold any events because <laughs> there's no events, right? <laughs> and so I'm the catering manager for this place and it's like, it's like 300 residents and they're all like, they've all done very well for themselves, like financially. So they've retired to this place now. It's very hard to get into, it's very expensive, right? 
like nothing there is for purchase. It's like you rent everything, so you can't own anything there. But it's like a little city in itself where it's like restaurants and like it's like a salon. What is it called? It's called Montero. And it's in like a inner or around Tulsa? Yeah, it's like 10 minutes from my house. Okay. Right? So it's like it was so close to my house. It's like this little hidden community that if you don't know about it, it's because you probably just never heard of it because it's very expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And this place, this company, Unidine, has just taken over their dining services in January of this year, right? So they're brand new to this place, right? So it's like a big giant. When I first got there in June, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go to this place where it's like the Four Seasons or the Ritz, where it's going to be like all well, well run. And it was like a transition period. That's why the job's available, right? That's why there's a job there because yep. they're like transitioning everything still. And so I remember my first day there, I went to a meeting and I'm sitting down meeting everybody. I'm like, oh, hello, hello, hello. And they're like, they're like, things need to change immediately. <laughs> like I'm thinking, all right, what's going on? <laughs> okay. I just got here from new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like not, you know, they're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is what's going on. This is the complaint. Like, oh, geez. Oh. Big problem on our hands here. And I would go table to table. So basically there's no events, right? So I'm basically the hospitality manager. So I'm just going around to each person and seeing if they're having a good experience and then what I can do to make it better. That's kind of my job, which is really fun, right? That's the only thing I have to do every day. <laughs> so I just go around and be like, it'd be dinner time and I go to a table and the first one I go, they'd be all nice, like, welcome. The next one I would go to and they would be yelling at me about how terrible everything is. And the next one would be like, ask me who I was. And the next one would be yelling at me how terrible things were. And it was like a coin flip. Oh but like gosh. it was a good or bad experience. You know, I didn't know what was going I on. I imagine most of those people are just happy that somebody's even asking them how their day is. Yeah, well, you would think that, but they're used to this like super high like um, level of attention, right? And yeah. so it's like the expectations were like are through the roof, right? And so they're very high expectations. And I've been there for like almost five months, now, right? When I first started, it was like very interesting. And I remember I would go there, and it'd be dinner time, and I'd be walking around and. And it was, I remember I was driving up there and it was one day I didn't, I couldn't even take it anymore. I was like, I can't get yelled at all night again. This is crazy. I'm not even making the food and I'm getting yelled at for like everything, you know? And then we had an outbreak of COVID-19. So we shut down to like all, all delivery service, like basically quarantine everyone into their apartments. Yeah. And we went to like all like room service style almost. So it was like the nicest break ever. <laughs> Cause I, uh, I couldn't get yelled at by everybody for all, all night. Mm -hmm. And that was like a couple months ago. Now it's running very smooth. We've opened up everything. Got it. So the, it's a retirement community and you run, is it like all of the food operations or yes, is there's four restaurants there? There's four restaurants. Got it. Yeah. So I'm like the third in command to this, the guy that hired me, I'm like his number three and there's an executive chef. So he kind of does the kitchen. We're on the service side. It's basically what we were doing in yep. banquets back at, in our old days. It's yep. just like we're the same person all over and over again. That was the thing I noticed. I was like, I could learn about them so fast and I could, I've seen the same guests every day now. So I was used to seeing one for two days and they'd be gone and that was it. And you try to win them over in two days. Now I get them every day. It was really nice actually. I've made a lot of friends there now and oh. A couple of them have passed away already, which is crazy to think. Just in these few months, you know, it's not uncommon for someone to get like, I'll, I'll deliver food to somebody and be like, hey, how are you guys doing today? And like, oh, so-and-so got, got diagnosed with cancer today. And I'm like, really? And then like a week later they passed away and I'm thinking, wow, I've been around for their whole <laughs> end of their life now, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. but I have a couple of people I'm really getting close with, you know, they call me like their son or they're like, oh, Danny, you know, they all like know everything about you now. and. You know, I'm pretty personal with all of them, so 
what I'll do too is I'll sit down with some of them. Like I'll walk around the dining area and if someone sits alone, I'll sit down with them when they're eating and talk to them when they all want to just like tell you what's going on for the day. And that's really it, right? And that was the point of the fire department was to get like a more gratifying thing. And now it's like you do it in a way where it's like you're making their last experiences a little bit better. You know? Beautiful. That's wonderful. And and not everybody in your shoes in the past probably gave them the time of day that you're giving them. And in order, you know, it's it's fulfilling for you and it's fulfilling for them, really. Yeah. No, it is. Truly, it is. I'm having a great time. Like, I don't dread going to work every day right now. I'm like really enjoying it. It's not easy. And I'm not, it's not all like you said, rainbows and butterflies. It's not that at all. Like, after <laughs> the day getting yelled at by like someone that's like on the verge of dementia or something and they're yelling at me and telling me like, the other day, this guy yelled at me for an hour. I delivered his food for him, right? Because I try to help out the staff as much as I can to keep them ahead because we have the same hiring problems that everyone else has, you know, right now. So I'll do like a lot of the deliveries to help them get some stuff to ensure the speed of the service. And I went to this guy's place and he yelled at me for like 20 minutes. And then every time I'd go back down, the hostess would be like, hey, Danny, he wants you to go back up there with some, <laughs> and go take all the food away and he wants to talk to you some more. I'm like, all right. So I go up there and he yelled at me again for 20 more minutes. And then his wife yelling at me. And we're talking about they're yelling about their food's not hot enough. That's 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 like the core of what the. Aye, food aye, is. Aye. Yeah, I mean they've had multiple issues over their experience, but this is like the trigger is the food wasn't hot enough. And I'm thinking, all right, well, and then he's like, that day I think I walked like twenty five thousand steps that day between all the deliveries. The place is enormous, right? Mm -hmm, it sounds like it. And I'm like dripping sweat, and he's like, you just don't care is your problem. I'm like, right, I don't care, I guess. <laughs> God. Listen, <laughs> you can't please everybody is the moral of that story, okay? You yeah, can try. That's what I learned. <laughs> it can be kind of, sometimes you can be like a little, you get down, like, that's what this taught me though. It taught me not to, that's what the Four Seasons taught me. That's what the Ritz Carlton taught me. It's what you make of it. You can be miserable if you want, or you can not let it bother you. And I turned 40 this year and I'm not going to like spend like one second of 40 being miserable at work, right? So going happy uh, I, I see the ones that i like i try to avoid the ones i don't like and you know if i can and i get caught with those ones i get stuck with them you know sometimes and i got like my table of girlfriends i walk by and i'm like hey girls they're like oh i do it's like all my like table of girls and I'm like where's the party at tonight and they're like they're like what's oh, up my apartment i'm like all right oh my god i bet they just love you man yeah, those, those older women mm -hmm. yeah, oh, yeah they're all like they're like high 80s right now <laughs> listen and so prime, prime all, time oh yeah they're basically uh, everything you can ever dream of from that age i can only they're imagine all, yeah. i can only imagine my mom was a uh, director of nursing at an assisted living facility in South Florida. And so a lot of the people that you're speaking about, I already have like characters in my head. So I'm totally oh, yeah, like yeah. aware of the person you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all like, the other day one of them was like yelling at me at the dinner. It's like, this stuff is just too salty. She's like, why is it so salty? And I was like, is it too salty? Like, what do you mean? Like, salty? Like, less salt. Is that what you want? You know, or? I, I think they really of, just want to be like heard and just want yeah. to like, you know, be like, listen to like, let me rant. Yeah. That's what they really want. And that's what this place has taught me a couple of things. So I'm on this health kick now where I've been running like every morning. I'm trying to like get like in really good shape again from the firefighter stuff. But, but I'm seeing people and they're like, these people have no money concerns at all. They have no financial worries whatsoever. Like if they're there, they have nothing to worry about money wise for the rest of their lives. And they're not happy. 
not not now this is not a blanket statement this is a few of them right like some are like super happy and those are the ones you like aspire to be like so i don't want to give the impression that they're all this grouchy old miserable like half of them are, are amazing like right. you sit down with them you talk to them and they're like they tell you some great stories they, they really ask you about your life they ask they all know about rosie they all ask about her like how her school is going you know I, um they played my movie there my documentary they screened it in the theater for all of them for veterans week That's so I had a big audience there for my, for my film and they're all asking me questions afterwards and and then um, a couple of the guys invited me up to their apartment to have some some drinks before the show so wow I was up there having some wine with a couple of these like 90 year old men right and so it's me and my audience three, yeah my basically my entourage right it's me and my three like 90 year old friends right and they're all pouring wine out. My the, one of the guys had a little cheese and cracker tray for us, and we're sitting there. Beautiful. And I remember thinking, I'm sitting there, and a movie's gonna play like in a half an hour at this theater. It hasn't played in like half a decade, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, I haven't played it in a long time. Uh, my last screening was in Boston, and my cousin threw me a party on his rooftop of his house. It was like three of us there partying like crazy, right? This is like 2012. And now I'm sitting with these like 90 year old guys in this little apartment and it's like... How times have so changed. Funny. Oh yeah. But it felt, it was fun, you know, it was like a fun thing. Absolutely. And so, so that's what, those are the ones you, you aspire to be like. They're basically like, if you want to put it like in goal terms, they like live like they're back in college, right? So if whatever you liked about college, basically you work your entire life to get back to that level again for the, the last like 20 years or so. They like they all live in the same corner of the building their doors are always open they always have happy hour every night oh <laughs> like God, they're having fun there there's yeah, always basically. a party going on there oh yeah that's what they do so that those are the ones you aspire to be like and the other ones that are kind of grouchy nothing makes them happy and they, they can never be satisfied those are the ones that have taught me actually the most because thinking like money can't buy you that kind of happiness they have plenty of it whatever they're upset about oh they can figure it out and it makes you feel bad almost like that's why i'm not gonna let myself be upset there you know i'm just gonna enjoy the time that it lasts so that's the first thing i i, I kind of learned the second thing that i've kind of learned is that there really is no there is nothing about the end of the journey right like they worked hard they saved all their money they did whatever they could to get where they were but like some of them have passed away this year that means the last year of their life was spent on lockdown in the middle of a pandemic so it's really like all my focus is not on the end anymore. It's more like on the present time right now. I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. So that's what I'm learning from them every day. And it's kind of in your face. Like you see them every day and you see like some can barely walk. Mm. Some can barely like pick their head up. They have like that, that condition where your head can't get up, you know? And it's like, it just seems like a very unhappy time. That's why I'm like trying to stretch more <laughs> and things like that, you know, and do more running and stuff. Yeah. But that's what you're learning. That's what I'm learning personally. It's taught me a lot. Listen, I think those are beautiful lessons that you're taking away. I mean, you're you're you know really with people at the very end of their life, and and to still be miserable like they are, you know, gosh, what would it, what is it going to take? And so to get bogged down by like silly nonsense, it's just not worth it. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. And in in the present, every day, you you have yeah. a beautiful wife, you have a beautiful daughter, you have made the best of the situation of this whole year. Like you guys have really like planted yourself. You planted a seed and, and you're seeing it grow. Like you may not know it at the time, but come, you know, a few months or maybe a year, however long it takes to see it, what a difference your life has had. I mean, it's really something. Oh, yeah. yeah, right now, things are great right now. Like we're making enough money to survive, which is fine. Annie's starting a new career, which is great for her. 
Um, Rosie's happy. She's healthy. Um, my work schedule is the best schedule I've ever had in the, in the service industry. You know, I, I go to work by about nine o'clock in the morning. I'm done by about seven o'clock in the evening. I'm getting days off before I was ever getting any days off ever. Now I get like two days off a week, yep. almost guaranteed, which was never happening before. Mm-mm. I get to walk Rosie to school before before she went to homeschooling, which started today. I was, taught, I was walking her to school every day, which was really nice. I get to hold her hand and walk her in there and give her a kiss, tell her I love her and all that kind of stuff. And so things are great from that perspective. And what's really exciting is like for the first time, I'm actually looking forward to whatever the next change is. Like I'm not, I don't want things to like change in a horrific way again, where I'm like losing weight and like can't sleep at night. But it's like the idea of you can just go with it, go with the change and be excited about it almost like, before I could never think about selling her a house and it broke my heart, the idea to do that, but that's what had to happen. But if it wasn't for like the demotion, I never would have sold that house ever. I got fought too hard to keep that house, you know, like, so without that demotion, I would never would have sold it. Without the advice from the mortgage broker saying to get rid of it, you know, without Andy being so nice and to be flexible as she is, she could have had a mental breakdown and been like, I can't leave Colorado, you know, but she was pretty adventurous, but that's the idea now. And so, I've listened to this. I've listened to this guy from the '70s a lot. His name is Alan Watts. If you know that name or not, Mm-mm. he talks a lot about like, like living for the present and kind of like, like life's not a journey and you know, that kind of stuff. Like, like it's okay for like, like he talks a lot about a lot of different ideas, right? It's not like a cult or anything like that, but it's like interesting stuff, right? <laughs> but, but he talks about the idea that if you if you try to resist change, then you suffer because you're resisting it. But if you think of it as something beautiful then you won't suffer, right? And he talked about everything's changing constantly. Like everybody, you're changing. Like he's like, I'll see you today and I'll see you tomorrow. You look pretty much like the same, but something has changed about you. It's just, it's just like small changes, right? And as you keep understanding everything's changing. So the idea is you like almost look forward to the future change. So that's like for the first time talking to Annie, I was like, hey, where should we move next? Or where do you want to go like in 10 years from now? Maybe we go to like a Canadian border town or you know, or something like that, you know, something different, right? Like, like you're excited for the first time about yeah. that. You're not like afraid of it. I guess that's the point I'm making. You're no, most it. definitely be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like yeah. it's really, it's really true. This year has taught us nothing else. That is it. Like you really do need to be able to go with the flow and it's hard. It's really hard. And at the time it could seem overwhelming, but if you stick with it and, you know, go with your gut, I think everybody has that like real gut instinct that, you know, you know, it's going to be okay. And, you know, you make decisions in the moment as best as you can. Um, and you hope that it turns out okay. And usually things do, things kind of fall into place the way they should. And things happen for a reason in the way they are supposed to happen. Yeah, they do. Um, Seriously. Yeah. Um, I've been a big, big believer of that for a long time. I yeah. mean, if you're in the service industry right now, if you're looking for a job in this industry, I'm not, I'm not an advocate saying don't go back to the job you knew or you're, I'm saying like, you can try something else if the opportunity is there, but I'm not saying like, give up on finding a job like in a bar or a hotel, like you can do that. Like I would go back to a hotel if I had to, I just mm-hmm. have to like find something else. It's, it's, it's the same thing as being in a hotel, it's just a retirement community, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that, that big giant career change I wanted, but some of the end results are still there, you know? And yeah, I mean, now it just seems like, it's like, why would you want to waste any more of your time now? It's like, enjoy yourself. All those things that you were fighting about before the pandemic, maybe if you had a job before, 
like all the things I was fighting about the four seasons, the reason why I was getting demoted, like all seem pointless now because does it matter anymore? <laughs> like does it matter? Like, yeah, but listen, man. I mean, at the time, it does seem overwhelming. But look at how far you've come and how like things have changed so quickly and yet, uh-huh. you know, so poignantly. Uh, would you have any advice for people who are still struggling? Because I have a lot of friends who it seems like you know a lot of friends that i have annie included actually are taking you know their previous experience in hospitality and tourism restaurants hotels whatever that may be and channeling it into something very similar but different in real estate and i have a lot of friends who are getting into real estate yeah other than i mean real estate can you think of any like what like we there's so many skills that are transferable from hospitality and tourism yeah. oh i think the medical field there's tons of skill i mean like nursing you know i have some some bartender friends of mine that became nurses which i was like so proud of them you know i've watched their like journey on instagram awesome. and, and i know how hard it is to change careers like believe me i, I didn't i couldn't officially really do it right i didn't I didn't change as much as i wanted to right so for andy to get a job with a real estate company and to that's amazing to me for that friend of mine to to go from bar to being a bartender to being a nurse that's great you know i think that's like i mean i tried to do filmmaking i couldn't quite get into that either you know it's like keep trying for all this stuff i mean the advice i would give them would be just to like find out like like find out what makes you happy every day to do that you know like you know and if you have to do that while you're also doing a job you don't like you know try to enjoy that job for what it is you know like yeah because it's not going to last for I mean, it probably won't last forever honestly like, everything is a season it really is and it's not always going to be there you know like you said it's not it's not going to be your always job it's just for the time being until hopefully yeah. you can make your passion your actual job because then you would never work a day in your life you yeah, know i mean I'm, and i made like and even if you want to put it in perspective there like filmmaking was my passion right trying to become a filmmaker right now I'm not a filmmaker at this place, but there are like certain things that are transferable, right? Like I've shown my film at this place. Like I had an audience there in a theater, like, you know, I got treated like a filmmaker, you know, like I give these people a a story every day. I give them like a life story experience, you know? Well, and that's just it. Perhaps, you know, you don't see it now, but maybe, you know, come a, a few months, a few years from now, like you are meeting all these people and cultivating a story in your mind. I'm sure that there's something there. Yeah, there could be a story there, you know? This is lots of transferable things, you know? And I do feel bad for people right now that are kind of looking for jobs to fill. And I know there's like a saturated, market out there for our industry and you know but there's like life after the industry too i guess that's kind of the advice right there's life beyond it right you know you might think you're only like a bartender you're only a server you're only you know i mean there's other things out there you know you can try to find something else you know it's hard to think outside the box but it's there if you you know find something that you enjoy even if it seems menial or you know just another job hopefully it leads at least to something so one door always you know leads to another to another to another yeah. and just starting i mean that's that's why i started this podcast i think that you know i'm i'm a good talker okay <laughs> then what <laughs> if i can you know make conversation and and record them and and have other people listen i think there are a lot of things that you know i talk about in my everyday conversations with a few of my girlfriends i'm like other people would like listening to this why not start a podcast it's oh, just, yeah. you know really honing in on what you're good at everybody has something they're good at you know that you know comes easy or natural to them that doesn't need doesn't necessarily come easy or natural to others and so honing in on those skills that you are really good at and 
try and you know get creative with them like what can you do that you aren't thinking of it's it's a very hard thing to think about it really is like yeah. a lot of people aren't able to think oh, outside yeah. the box but you know i would say consult with like friends or family who know you best and you know you could probably you don't see sometimes what you have yourself you have to like hear it from other people so it, yeah and that i guarantee you um you think people right now don't need stories like this? Like people out there that are going through stuff. I mean, when I got demoted, I needed all those demotion stories on YouTube, you know? And like, every one of them, I won't say seemed corny, but it was like, you're watching them, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it was the best thing ever, really? Like, I feel miserable right now, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, um, to know that you're not alone, totally. Yeah, yeah, there's tons of people out there that need stuff like this. and. I mean, if I didn't find this job, I would probably need something like this too to listen to, to keep me motivated and keep me pushing forward. And, you know, it really is like, it's what you make of it. Like, it's the bottom line. Like, I was miserable the last few years of the four seasons and I'm happy where I am right now. The circumstances are almost identical. You know what I mean? The, the same problems, there's the same annoying uh, coworkers, there's the same annoying issues that won't fix themselves, that won't, won't ever fix themselves. Right, but it's like if you let it bother you, then you're gonna be miserable again, no matter what, whatever you're doing. You get to find a way to like. Yeah, what's the point of being miserable? Like, I'd rather not be miserable if I could find the joy and and like in the, like the little things, like you were saying, taking Rosie to school, being able to, you know, have a few days off so you can, you know, be with the family and this and that. It's like, that's all that matters, really, truly. If anything, this year has shown us that's it. Like, it's shown you what really matters. Yeah. Well, it talks about that that people I've been listening to, those cult people, they they talk about like living in the present, right? Like being present as much as you can, right? And so they, they say, the only fear comes from the, the, the pain of the past or the fear of the future. Mm. That's the only time you can ever really suffer. Like if you're like living in the present moment, then you're not going to have any, any pain like that, supposedly. We'll see them. I'm trying to apply that right now. We'll see how it works. <laughs> well, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, so you enjoy yourself now and, you know, don't be afraid of the future and, you know, let the past go. And Is it a book or is it a podcast? You these from the 70s. Oh, they're like little fun YouTube, like, clips. If you want, I'll send you one. You can link it down if you want. Yeah. Maybe it'll inspire someone to be all excited about something. Sure, why not? I mean, it sounds yeah. it, it doesn't sound culty. It sounds like, you know, a hippie just trying to make people happy. I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and the way I discovered it was really funny because I was watching something like, I was, I was trying to like think of something inspiring to give the team for like a pre-shift kind of speech. I was doing a bunch of these inspirational things, you know, and I was kind of Google searching these inspiration stuff and I found this guy okay, he started talking about yeah, you're talking about like not forcing things and like you know, it's interesting. You have to listen to it. It's interesting stuff. Totally. What what is his name again? Alan Watts. Okay. It's like from like the 1970s or whatever. Yeah, send me a link. I'll put it in yeah. the uh, description when people listen. Yeah. I was so in, I'm like fascinated by it right now. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And and it, you know it's really interesting about that. It's from the 1970s and yet you're still here, you know, in 2020 taking something from it 50 years later. You know? Oh yeah, uh, I'll find myself. I'll be walking into work sometimes. I'll park my car and I'll walk into work. And I'll like play one on my phone while I'm walking in, just to kind of keep me keep me leveled for a minute. And the game. You know? it's like, basically, it's just funny, you know. Hey, whatever works for you, right? Whatever gets you through everything. Listen, you know? listen. You have to be your you know biggest advocate and self care and all that stuff. Like you know, if it puts you in a good mood and gets you in the right mind frame headset what's the word you know you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah i get you in the right state of mind right, ready to mind. Go and, yeah yeah i'll walk into work sometimes and i'll tell you when, when i'm at work now 
I do get frustrated still. I don't want to pretend like I don't get frustrated. Okay. But I get frustrated now with myself. Because I'll go to a situation and like I'll have a, a, a fight with a coworker and I find myself falling back into that old like tit for tat kind of thing and I'm like arguing with them. And then once that's over and it doesn't even matter anymore, then I go to my, my coworker who got hired on the same day, the other manager. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm so mad at myself. I'm like, why did I fall back into that? Like it doesn't even, like I shouldn't even, wait, why am I wasting one second like that? Because it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, and I'll be more mad at myself for getting sucked back into the old routine. Listen, man, it sounds you like know? you really have, it's, a, it's an awakening, you know, like you're really aware. And I think that's the first step. If you can at least like acknowledge that that's what you're doing, then that's the first step in stopping it. You can catch yourself the next time and be like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to yeah. fall back into that. Hey, yeah. I mean, you know, those old like, hospitality service industry fights people get into like oh yeah no one didn't put this away right right? side work that's exactly where my mind went i'm like that's the bullshit you would fight about i was like literally like the dumbest things yeah like this is bothering you okay like (laughs) this person here you can't can't walk down the hallway it takes them an hour to walk from the elevator to the to the door and you're upset about this like okay there are worse things. Well, it's so yeah. great to talk to you. I think that you have such a beautiful outlook. And I mean, I'm so happy for you and Annie and for you to have Rosie and just be, you know, settled in this new place and to really be taking it in such stride. It's, it's phenomenal. I'm so glad that we got to catch up. Um, I'm going to link all of the stuff that we spoke about in the comments below. And, um, you know, seriously, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to talk sure. to me today. Thanks. That was my great pleasure. Good luck with everything. I appreciate it, man. It's good to see you. Tell Annie I said hi and uh, give that baby a kiss. A oh, baby no more. She's a big girl. I know. She's <laughs> crazy. Six years old, man. It's like a whole, it's a very exciting time. Beautiful. Well, it's so good to see you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Yep. Take care. Bye, Danny. Catch Up Time podcast is an original podcast produced and recorded in Orlando, Florida. Remember to subscribe to the Catch Up Time podcast to get notified each week when new episodes are posted. You can also follow us on Instagram at ketchup underscore time. Thanks again for listening to the Catch Up Time podcast. <laughs>